Welcome to the Renewing the Center podcast. My name is Chris McDaniel, and we want to thank you for joining us today. Here at Renewing the Center, we're answering God's call to work for the spiritual renewal of the church. For more information, visit renewingthecenter.org. We're glad to have you with us today. Now, let's make some space for God's renewing work. Today, we're going to go back to the book of James and read a passage from James 2, 14 to 26. I'll read, we'll pray, and then we'll jump right in and see what we can see here. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and acts daily and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I, by my works, will show you my faith. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you senseless person, that faith without works is barren? Was not our ancestor Abraham justified by works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active long, along with his works, and faith was brought to completion by the works. Thus the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Likewise, was not Rahab the prostitute also justified by works when she welcomed the messengers and sent them out by another road? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray, and we'll see if we can make some sense of this passage. Father, we ask you to help us today to hear James, the brother of Jesus, and to try to get at what he's really saying, to not be distracted by what he's not trying to accomplish. Lord, help us to hear you with fresh ears today, God, in Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to be blunt with you. Um, I chose this passage because I knew it would stress lots of us out. Uh, it's the eight in me. I'm an eight on the Enneagram. So just this is my eight day on on the podcast. Uh, you know, the this passage in James and the book of James itself is so controversial that some Christians have believed uh, throughout the ages that it shouldn't have even been in the canon of the Bible. I think Martin Luther actually said that if he had his pick, James wouldn't even be in the Bible. But it is in the Bible, so we have to listen and we have to hear. Because where Christians get really worked up here is that they think, well, James, you're just promoting a workspace righteousness. And if you take this text at face value, uh, it could sound that way. Y'all, it's important for us to note that James, the the author of this book, the brother of Jesus, wrote this letter before Paul got to work. Um, He didn't have a fully fleshed out written theology of justification Uh, by faith alone that we see elsewhere in the book of Romans and and other parts of our New Testament. What James is doing right here is really practical. So here's what I want to challenge you. Rather than think about this and get hung up on it theologically, I want us to hear a practical invitation in this passage. Let's not overthink what James is putting his finger on. See, he's addressing a real problem in the ancient church, which quite frankly is still a problem today. And it's this. People were not putting their money where their mouths were. People were being inconsistent. People were saying one thing and doing or not doing another. 
They were not putting feet to their faith. They were not living their faith out in a way where it was evident and obvious what kinds of people they were. That's what James is addressing. And y'all, that's as real an issue of spiritual formation today as it was 2,000 years ago. So I think it begs this question. Before we get into anything technical, let's ask this question of ourselves. What kind of person am I? What kind of person are you? See, that's a really important question. That's a question that actually lies at the heart of all spiritual formation. We believe here at Renewing the Center that you and me, that all of us are being formed into becoming a certain kind of person. Dallas Willard said it this way, we are exactly the kinds of people who do the things we do. Every one of us has a spiritual formation. Some formations are on, on purpose, very intentional, and very life-giving, and other formations are haphazard. But we all have a formation. We're all being shaped and formed. And that formation manifests in the way that we live our lives, not just what we think or say, but the things that we do. And that's all James is putting his finger on. He's essentially saying what you believe, faith, and what you do, your actions, your works, they matter and they should be in agreement with one another. So I hope we can hear in this passage an invitation from God. I hope we can hear the Lord speaking to us. Because I believe the Lord is inviting each and every one of us to see that it is of vital importance that we live an integrated life. That our words and our overarching actions increasingly match that we become integrated and consistent people. Now, notice I use the phrase overarching actions because the truth of the matter is we all have bad days. We all make individual isolated bad choices. Well, and let's be honest, the shoe fits on the other side. I know some really terrible people that occasionally make really good choices. What the Lord wants us to do is to look at our overarching actions as a kind of mirror or an example of the direction that our lives are headed. He wants us to be integrated. He wants what you believe and how you live to increasingly match. And y'all, that should not be very controversial. That should not be challenging for us to accept. Now, maybe challenging to live into, but not to accept. I've actually comforted in a kind of sad, kind of gross way, maybe, by the fact that a passage like this reminds me that Christians have always struggled with integration. It at least means we're not alone in our struggle toward integration, that there's a gap in each and every one of us, that we all miss the mark. We all live inconsistently. And yet there is an invitation. And I would say that if you find yourself lacking, there are two things you can do right on the front end. Number one, you could say less. Um, you could post less on social media. Uh, you could fall victim less frequently to slacktivism, saying one thing and not following through. So you could say a little bit less, and that might be good for all of us, actually. And number two, this is the longer play. We could begin to ask the Lord to help us behave and act more consistently with the things that we say we believe. I love this phrase in verse 22. He says, you see that faith was active along with his works. I want to live my life so that my faith is active along with my works. The sense of that verse in uh, verse 22 is that faith, what I believe for him, was tracking right along with his words and his actions. They were moving together in the same direction. That's what God wants for each and every one of us. He wants our choices and our words to be moving along in the same direction. So look at your life. Are, are you moving in the right direction? What kind of person are you becoming? 
I think these are really important questions for us to ask. And frankly, it's one of the reasons why spiritual disciplines are so important in the life of a believer. Because without regular opportunities to step back and examine or reflect, we may not know which road we're headed down. We may not know what kind of person we're becoming. The Lord wants us to actually see our lives and then evaluate our lives. To begin to say, do I match or am I mismatched? And there is an invitation here for each and every one of us. I believe that the Lord wants you to have a sense of where you're heading. But you have to actually take some real intentional time in order to get that sense. So rather than being defensive... What would happen if we looked at our lives and asked real questions about where God might be inviting us to narrow the gap between what we say and our actual lived experience? The minute we name the gap, we can begin to see the Lord help us narrow it. And so, Lord, I pray for my friends and I ask God for grace to look at our lives. I pray that you would give us a sense of uh, confidence in you to actually look at our lives and say, Lord, help me. God, we want to live integrated lives. We want to see our words and our choices begin to match more and more consistently. So forgive us where that's not the case. Help us to carve out space to ask real questions so that we might be the kinds of people who are increasingly integrated. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to continue meditating on what you heard today, take some time to recall an idea or an image that encouraged or challenged you in this episode. When things stand out to us in God's Word, or in our lives, or in what we're reading, or in devotional talks, it often means that God is offering us His help and His guidance. When you have your idea or image in mind, carry it with you as a prayer, coming back to it in the spaces throughout your day. How does it speak to you and where you are right now? What does it say about God and what He wants for you? Speak to Him about these things. Listen for his still small voice and respond to him as simply and as honestly as you can. Thanks for listening. We look forward to having you back here again with us next time at Renewing the Center. Mm